Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Praise God. Come on in and find a seat. We're not going to be sitting down very long, but. <laughs> Amen. We're going to be up worshiping the Lord. We just want to welcome you this morning. Praise the Lord. How good it is to see everyone this morning to be in God's house. Praise God. Well, glory, glory. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome to Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. We are glad you're here today. We're excited to be here, excited anytime we can come to the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. Oh, ready to worship the Lord this morning. Hope you're having a great week. Uh, wasn't this rain that we got was beautiful. Amen? We needed it. We were dry. Amen. And we needed some rain. And I pray that the Lord will just rain down His presence on us today and refresh us just like the ground was refreshed. Amen? Oh, praise God. Well, grab a bulletin. There's a lot of things coming up next month uh, you don't want to miss out on. Of course, our Mother's Day service in a couple of weeks. So plan to come and honor our mothers. Praise the Lord. Well, glory, glory. God is good, church. He is good and He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. We're going to open in prayer and we're going to worship God this morning. And whatever it is you have need of, we're going to believe God with you today and believe God to meet you right where you're at. You know that if we just press in this morning, if we'll draw near to God, He will draw near unto us. Amen. Will you stand this morning? We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Aren't you glad today that we serve a living God church? A God that never changes, that no matter what season of life we're in, that He's there, that He's a constant, that He'll be with us through every season. And He opens doors that no man can close, and He closes doors that no man can open. Amen? Praise God. I believe if you're truly seeking the will of God this morning for your life, you're not. He's not going to let you miss it, but He's going to show you the way. Come on, somebody. He's going to show you the way. Glory, glory. Oh, what a good God, church. Let's open our heart to Him. Let's worship Him for who He is. Hallelujah. He's worthy. The creator of all things. The author, the finisher of our faith today. Father, we love you. Father, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're a living God, that you're a loving God, that we can have a relationship with you, Lord, through Jesus Christ, Lord. And that, Father, you walk with us, Lord God. You go before us, Lord. Father, you make a way when there seems to be no way, God. You're a miracle worker, Lord. You never stop loving us. You never stop, Lord God. Father, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for all you're going to do in our midst today. And, Father, we bring our song to you. We bring our worship. We offer it to you today. And we pray, God, may you be glorified in this place. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing I'm standing on the promises of God Glory 
nothing is too hard for you. We believe, we expect, we walk and live as it is so. We thank you, Lord, nothing is too hard for you. And we put our faith and confidence completely in you. And we speak what we believe, we declare that which we know. You are greater, you are omnipotent, nothing is too hard for you. We thank you that mountains are melting. We thank you, Lord, that strongholds are being brought down to their knees. We thank you, Lord, that those things that would resist will resist no more. For your power is being released. Your power is being unfolded. We thank you, Lord. Father, speak to us today. Stir our hearts. Let faith come alive. Give us a fresh understanding of your will and your ways. And let our hearts be greatly inspired to believe, to trust, to advance, regardless of the odds. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. So good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. God is good. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Our God is bigger, amen? Get your focus on the Lord. And, wow. All right, um, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. You are dismissed to Children's Church. We're going to dig into the Word. If you have your Bibles, if you were to go to Judges chapter 6, Lord willing, we'll spend a month or so in the book of Judges. This will be a standalone message about Gideon, and then we'll do a four-part series on Samson, and Lord willing, for Mother's Day, we'll just stay in Judges, and we'll let Deborah, a mother in Israel, speak to us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to Judges, the sixth chapter. We want to talk about the beginning or the call of Gideon. Gideon. Most of us are familiar with his story. We're going to look at the beginning of his days. Now, the Bible says, chapter 6, verse 1, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord for seven years. He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of the Midianites was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Malachites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel neither sheep, cattle, nor donkey. They came up with their livestock and tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Better late than never. Can you say amen? I know about you. I've been crying out by seven months, not seven years. Amen? But, but, but when you get out of step with God, you get dumb. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Sometimes it takes people a while to wake up and get back on board. All right. Jump to verse 11. Jump to verse 11. And the more I got into this, I said I should have just done a series with Gideon, but too late now. But verse, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came down and sat under an oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash Absarite, where his son Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Excuse me, sir. 
Gideon replied, but if, if, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Uh, where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. But the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Sir, excuse me, sir. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest, and I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I'll be with you. That makes all the difference. I'll be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, now, Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. He's like the rest of us, a work in progress. Give me a sign. Amen. I know God's speaking to me, but uh, still, give me a little more. I'm not quite sure. Give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please, don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait until you return. We're going to stop there. We're going to use as a title, Tag, You're It. Tag, You're It. Or the process begins. You can pick one. Or the process begins. The story of Gideon is a great encouragement to people who have a hard time accepting themselves and believing that God can use them and make them into useful instruments in his hand. In this story, we see God takes this young man by the name of Gideon from a place of timidity and security, discouragement, a real place of hardship, and he uses him to do mighty exploits, exploits for his name. And friend, God hadn't changed. He still picks up just common vessels and uses them to do great and uncommon things. In the story we're about to look at, we're going to see where God takes this man, Gideon, and 300 men will defeat 135,000 men and end a seven-year oppression and foster and bring in 40 years, 40 years of peace. Hebrews 11, we read verse 32 that Gideon is in that great hall of faith. Gideon is one of the names listed in God's great chapter of faith. He's one of those men that by faith they conquered kingdoms and they routed the enemy and they claimed the promises and they believed and they blessed. And we know from his story he wasn't perfect, but number one, he made himself available. And we can all do that, can't we? You might not be able to have, have a PhD. You might not be able to come from a family where there's a heritage of God. But all of us can make ourselves available to the Lord and when God taps us on the shoulder, when God speaks to our hearts, we can all respond and say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. He made himself available. And then here's the big part. This separates the men from the boys. This separates those that actually go on with God and those that we pray and they just make it in. Gideon submitted to the process of God's preparation and development, the testing, the training, the spiritual pruning and proving required for anyone that wants to be useful and fruitful in the kingdom of God. And through Gideon's life, we're going to see that God raises up and he uses people, again, just ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Ordinary people to accomplish his divine purpose. And that means he'll use me, he'll use you. Thank God he'll use us. Can you say amen? In fact, God wants to raise up many this morning, individually and corporately, he wants to raise up and use men and women and use their efforts to bring deliverance and defeat his enemies and to do his will and to touch lives with the gospel. God's looking for vessels, will you be one? Now the Midianites, they are the enemy here and they're a type of the devil. 
The devil comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy, oppressing the people of God, ruining and stealing their harvest. Don't let the devil have your harvest. I'll say it again. Don't let the devil have your harvest. Don't let him steal and afflict your divine blessing. Don't let the devil have that harvest. You, you work too hard for that. It's too precious to you. You pay too great a price. Instead, rise up, stand firm, and resist the devil. In the name of the Lord, in the power of the risen Christ, stand firm, rise up, speak up, declare the promise of God, believe the promise of God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. James 4, and, and uh, James 4 and verse 7 gives us a great... Not only an instruction, but a great promise when it comes to our spiritual warfare. New Testament promise. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from... From who? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Make sure you're a serious and sincere Christian. Don't be a fence walker. Don't be someone that plays games. But you make sure you're submitting your life and giving your life completely, wholeheartedly to Jesus. If you're doing that, then God says, if you'll resist the devil, you don't have to be his punching bag. You don't have to lay down and accept everything he throws against you. But you can resist him in prayer. You can resist him by standing on the word. You can resist him by lifting up that shield of faith. You can resist them by refusing to compromise and continuing to live holy and pure in this ungodly age. But if you will submit yourselves to God and you'll choose to resist the devil, the Bible says the devil will flee from you. You are able to stand, having done all to stand and bless, protect your harvest. Can you say amen? Don't let that devil have your child. Don't let that devil have your grandchild. Don't let that devil steal and come into your house with disruption. Take your stand, put on the whole armor of God and say, "Ah, oh, not here, devil. We serve God here. We love Jesus here. We believe the promises of the book here. I resist you standing firm in the faith and watch him as he rolls back. The process begins. The process of God forging his vessel it's not enough to be called. You've got to endure the process to make you into the one he wants you to be. If God's going to use us, he has to prepare us. He has to ready us. First, there's the realization. Then there's the preparation. There's the realization of being called and chosen. And really what that means, there's the realization. Realizing that God does desire to use your life. That God will use your life if you'll work with God. Then there's the preparation, which is responding to the process of becoming. Responding to the process of becoming. God trains us and God tests us as he makes us into the vessels he wants us to be. There's breaking and there's building. There's testing and there's stretching. There's growing, there's revelation as he teaches us. There's receiving as he pours into us. There's a pruning away, there's an empowering. There's a dying to this old man and there's a developing and growing in the new man. We see here in the background, Gideon's story, it's similar to all the other stories in the book of Judges. The people of God had backslidden. They forgot the Lord. They forsook his commandments and the laws he gave them. Therefore, they grew weak. When we forget and forsake God, we grow weak. 
and the enemy was able to invade them and oppress them in the land God had given to them. Oh, my Lord, you see, you can't take the blessing for granted. You've got to keep that blessing, amen? You can't take the harvest for granted. You've got to defend that harvest. They became vulnerable because, again, when we forget God, we grow weak in our spiritual strength. We certainly go weak in our ability to discern. We make some dumb decisions when we forget God. We make some foolish connections and commitments when we forget God. We forget God, we give place to the devil. But finally, they cry out to the Lord. This is a cycle throughout the book of Judges. Finally, they cry out to the Lord, and God, who is rich in mercy, God, whose compassions fail not, he raises up a man or a woman, a deliverer. When finally they get sick and tired of being sick and tired, they say enough, enough, and they come back and they cry out. And God, whose heart is always moved towards his people, raises up an instrument. They're called judges here. They're leaders. He raises up an instrument of deliverance. That instrument would be used of God to deliver the enemy and bring peace to the land. This is where we read of Samson and Deborah and Jephthah and Ehud, Othniel and so forth. And as long as that judge lived, there was peace and prosperity in the land. And then after that judge moves on from the scene, the cycle begins again. You know, make up your mind that if the most spiritual person in your family was to go to heaven this evening, you're going to keep walking strong with God. Make up your mind that even if, you know, the one granny or whoever, grandpa, daddy, whoever that strongest person of faith and prayer is, even if God sees fit to take them home tonight, you're not going to backslide. You're not going to forget God's house. You're going to continue to walk with God. You're going to say, here I am. Put me in, coach. I'll take that responsibility in the family. What kind of person does God use? Number one, God uses one with the realization of who they are and what they can do when God is with them. God uses men and women of faith. It's by faith they conquered kingdoms. By faith they administered justice. By faith they routed foreign armies. By faith they possessed the good promises. By faith they offered themselves as living sacrifices. By faith they saw the mighty miracles and answers of prayer from God. By faith, one who realizes who they are and what they can do when God is with them. God is looking for men and women of faith that will believe God, that will understand what they have in God. We see here Gideon, the Lord says, I'm with you. We need to know God is with us. We need to recognize that God has enabled us. God is looking for a people who understand the great salvation they have and the mighty works they can do. You can do great things by the power of God. You can be the one God's called you to be. They can do because God is with them. A people of faith, when faith comes alive in our hearts, and we have a, a rooted life, and we have a life that understands the salvation. It creates in us men and women of confidence, men and women of courage, men and women of an expectation, of a daring. These are men and women that know that if God be for us, 
Who can be against us? There are men and women that know that there is no setback, there is no storm, no situation that can resist the power of the living God or the men and women that walk with that God. There are people that recognize that they can do all things through Christ that gives them strength, that the living God will strengthen us for every task and every endeavor and every battle. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ lives in me. So whatever he calls me to do, I can do it. Whatever I have to face, I can face it. Whatever I have to rise up from, I can rise up from it and get back in the battle. This is not my strength and it's not my will and it's not my limited intelligence, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord, and that spirit dwells within you. These are men and women that realize that greater is he that's within them than he that's in the world. This world has power. This world has wickedness. But you have something greater within inside of you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We've got to know this. We've got to believe this. We've got to live like this is so. God is looking for men and women that are going to have some daring to do some exploits for God in this generation. God is looking for men and women that believe they can overcome the perverted spirit of this latter generation, that they can overcome the backsliding of the present generation, and they can be bright, shining lights for the glory of Jesus Christ. Here's Gideon. He's hiding. He's full of questions, doubts, discouragements, yet God sees. Hallelujah. Yet God sees. God sees something different in you. God sees something wonderful in you. God sees something eternal in you. Yet God sees a mighty warrior. God sees a man mighty in valor. God sees an instrument waiting to be used for his glory. When God looks at you, he sees someone that if we'll just yield to him, you can be a wonderful vessel, a fruitful instrument in the hand of your God. The child of God must learn to see themselves as God sees them, through the lens of God's word. We contrast God's words and Gideon's words. Sometimes you have to check yourself from the abundance of the, the mouth speaketh. Sometimes our mouths are a good measurement of our faith. Sometimes our mouths, amen, ain't that right? Amen. After a while, these pants get tight. I, I can't blame the wife for shrinking them. I got to get on the scale and read it and weep, amen? All right? Sometimes you got to measure yourself honestly or you're never going to change anything, okay? So one of the ways I can measure faith is by my words. If I listen to how I speak about myself, about life, and about my situation, if I'm always negative, if I'm always critical and complaining, that's coming from your heart. I don't mean a one-time thing, but if that's your consistent thing, read it and weep. If I begin to change my words and get them to line up with God's word and begin to speak what I really do believe. God's words, Gideon, I'm with you. You're a mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have. You got strength. You're going to strike them down. You're going to defeat this whole mighty army. I'm sending you. My touch is upon you. Gideon's words, if, why, where, how come, I'm weak, I'm the least. He needs a new vocabulary, don't he? Gold from Gideon. Gold from Gideon. We must understand the sobering truth. 
that God knows and sees our true condition. He knows how I'm made. He knows where I come from. He knows where I live. Yet God also sees and knows our potential or what we can be when fully yielded and surrendering ourselves to him. When we really become that living sacrifice in Romans 12, a sacrifice of something given over completely. We don't die. We live for the glory of God. But we give our lives completely over to him. When that is the response to the call of God, then there's no limit on what God can do with such a man. You know, in some ways, we're, we're like the story of the loaves and the fishes. And, you know, they bring those loaves to Jesus, and they're small, and they seem insignificant compared to the great need. And sometimes that's how we are apart from Christ. On our own, we look, and, oh, man, I look at me. I'm weak here. I don't have it there. And the need is so great out there. But when we get our lives into the hands of Jesus, when we allow Jesus to have our lives, and he blesses us, and he breaks us, and he puts his touch upon us, then our lives can do whatever it needs to do. It can go the distance. It can meet the needs. Somebody else or don't let your ugly past don't let your ugly past disqualify you such a life just brings greater glory to God when God uses you when our vision begins to see and our faith begins to believe then God can take us from where we are to where we should be the realization of who we are as a child of God and what we have in this great salvation. Man, you got to know what you got so you can use what you have. You got to know who you are. Now, you're not that same old so-and-so. You're not the one that your father called stupid. You're not the one that your mother abandoned. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of the living God. You're anointed from heaven. You're called by Jesus himself. You can walk and not grow weary. You can run and not faint. You're empowered by God. The heaven smiles upon you, and the favor of the Lord rests upon your life. We need to look at ourselves through the eyes of heaven. We need to believe we are who God says we are, and Live it out for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. It's a great salvation. I said it's a great salvation. No, no, you didn't get this salvation at the dollar store. I'll tell you that. No, you didn't get there. Not on your life. You didn't get it there. You didn't get it at a blue light special. This is a great salvation. It caused God the blood, the death of his only begotten son to redeem you and I. Oh, my Lord, my God. Our salvation in Jesus, it is so rich. It is so vast. It is so great. It is so precious. It is so abundant. How do we used to sing? I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. Jesus, he's done so much for me. Let's just touch on a few things. Just just a few things. I mean, just, just a, a minuscule of what we have in Christ. Number one, don't you ever forget, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. God remembers your sins no more. It's a new day in Jesus. Listen, if you've come to Jesus and you've left that old life of sin behind, then never, ever, ever bow to the guilt and condemnation because of your past. Instead, rejoice that the blood of Jesus has washed you whiter than snow and remember and keep on remembering that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You're forgiven. 
forgiven. God doesn't remember it. Don't let the devil mess with it. Walk in the beautiful freedom of forgiveness. The blood has washed us whiter than snow. What a glorious thought. We're forgiven. That past is gone. Don't let that past be an entanglement. Don't let that past be a harassment. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Someone says, you don't know how bad I was. You don't know how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Oh, yeah. We're forgiven and not forgotten. In fact, we're forgiven and highly favored. You're favored of the Lord. That means God looks upon his people with a special affection, a special kindness, a special privilege than anyone else. Endowed with special gifts, privileges, and blessings. Favored means preferred. God knows those that are his. He sees the blood. He sees the seal of the Holy Spirit. He places his heavenly smile, affection, constant care upon the life of those that love him. He touches and watches over in a special way those that have received him. What a beautiful salvation we have. We're forgiven and our sins and our lawless deeds, they tag us no more. They they harm us no more. They condemn us no more. But we're highly favored. For God has not just chosen us to treat us like second class citizens. He has called us to salvation and favored us now and places blessing upon us and places smile upon us. We're forgiven and we are favored and we have been filled or fortified we could say that with the spirit of God God doesn't just save us but he fills us and fortifies us with his spirit he enables you and I to fight this good fight of faith he gives us the strength we need to prevail over every obstacle and every enemy that we'll ever have to face God has given you power to live this life power to overcome your past power to deal with the present power to carry out the task and responsibilities you have somebody you look at yourself and you look at yourself and think I'm weak and I'm not able the devil is a liar you are able and you're not weak for God has empowered his people to walk in strength oh how Jesus said it so wonderfully he gave the precious promise to his to his disciples before he went back to heaven Acts 1 and 8 he says and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, if you've received the Spirit, you have every right to say it like this. I have received power since the Holy Ghost has come upon me. You have received power to face what you have to face and do what you have to do. There's great power in the child of God. So the Lord wants you to know one of the great things about this salvation, it's not about waiting to get to glory land someday. It's not all about over yonder. Now, this day, this present hour, you are strengthened and anointed by God's Spirit to take on whatever life tosses at you. In fact, we are described, you are described as more than a conqueror. What a description! I mean, I'd be happy just to be a conqueror, more than a conqueror. Romans 8 and 37, what a beautiful verse. Romans 8 and 37, but no... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Previously, Paul had just written, hey, distress 
and tribulation and distress, persecutions, famine, all these problems. Can anything separate us from God's love? We go through all these struggles. We go through all these trials. There's rejections that we deal with. There's afflictions that we battle through. Oh, someone says we're like sheep led to the slaughter. Paul says, oh, no. If you're a Christian, you go through those things, but you're not overcome by those things. You are the overcomer. Oh, no. As a Christian, you're not immune to the trials of life, but God has enabled you to triumph in the midst of those things. He says, no, in fact, in all these things, in the midst of the trial, in all those things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Somebody, God says you're more than a conqueror. Begin to believe what God says. Begin to live out what God says. You're facing it. You're going through it. But you are greater because Christ is within you. We're forgiven and we're favored and we've been fortified by the Spirit of God. That means we've been strengthened by God's Spirit to continue on, to prevail, to overcome, to walk this walk, and to finish strong. Lastly, we are called to flourish, called to be fruitful. Jesus says you're called to bring fruit that glorifies the Father. You've been called to finish the race and fulfill your divine purpose. When the smile of heaven is upon you. He says, the one that began the good work in you, he's committed to complete that work. And it's God's will that you finish your race, that you flourish in your ministry, that you fulfill your divine purpose because God has not just saved you to put you in the attic somewhere. He has saved you to use you. He has saved you to shine his glory through you. He has saved you that you might be a vessel in that hand of God Almighty. Now back to Gideon. Gideon's been tagged, but now what? Gideon's been chosen, but now what? Gideon's been tagged. But now he's got to make a choice. Many are called, but few are Many have an encounter with God, but few follow after God. Many come to him, fewer follow after him. Gideon's been tagged, but now he's got to make a choice. Will he submit and respond to the process of preparation? God's going to test him. God's going to develop him. God's going to prepare him. He's going to go from a young man that's hiding trying to save some of the food from the enemy with a lot of doubts and questions to a man that's going to take 300 other men and face 130,000 enemies. And he's going to do it bravely and confidently. There's a process to get to that point. You don't just get to that point because the holy hotshot bops you on the head and you walk out of the big meeting. No, no, no. There's a process in that. There's a development in that. There's a deepening in that. There's a pruning in that. You don't get there overnight. But if you're willing to follow... He'll develop you, and he'll teach you, and he'll transform you. Every Christian must choose. Now that God has made himself known to me, will I follow him? Now that the Lord has really spoken to my heart, will I run after him? Will I be serious about my Christianity? Gideon wasn't looking for this. 
Some of you weren't looking for it, but God says, tag, you're it. I wasn't looking for this responsibility. God says, tag, you're it. I wasn't looking for this battle. Tag, you're it. I didn't ask for this. Tag, you're it. God says, I have needed thee. I was looking for a man. I was looking for a woman. And I saw more in you than you saw in yourself. Tag, you're it. Now let me make you ready. Because I've got a work for you to do. You want to look, you know, God can interrupt your plans. How many know that? <laughs> God can interrupt. Oh, yeah, you can. Isn't that right? One mentor of mine said, I want to be an FBI man. That don't mean full-blooded Indian either. Amen. I want to be, he said, I want to be an FBI man. God said, no, you're going to preach. I don't want to preach. World War II, he said, I joined the Navy. So I get as far away from God as I could. We got to the West Coast, found the fruits and nuts. He said, I found out God was there. Amen. Shakedown cruise down to Panama. Found out God was there. Next thing I know, we're outside Nagasaki and all that and that war. And God was there. So finally on that gun mountain, that destroyer, I made an altar out of it. I said, Lord, I, I surrender. <laughs> just surrender. Just surrender. Just tell your neighbor, just surrender. Let God have you and let God use you and get serious about your Christianity. Give God your very best. Tag your it. But now what am I going to do? How will I respond to the call of God, to the tap of God on my shoulder? You know, for some people, their response is simply, I don't mind God saving me and fixing my troubles, but I don't want to mess with my life. You ever heard that? You might have thought that. Amen. But a choice has to be made when God deals with you, when God speaks to your heart. Sometimes we have a good time with the Lord, and then all of a sudden you just want to start bailing, but God's getting a little too personal and close. How will I respond? Sometimes it's tough choices to make in life. Can you say amen? I remember one man had a tough choice to make. A group of friends went out deer hunting, and they split up in groups, and they went out two by twos, and well, at night, one hunter, he comes returning. He's staggering under the weight of an eight-point buck. He's dragging this thing in, and the other hunter said, what happened to Harry? <laughs> Man said, well, Harry, he fainted a couple miles up the trail. The others couldn't believe it. You mean you left him lying there and carried the deer back? And the man answered, well, I got to tell you, it was a tough call, but I figured uh, no one's going to steal Harry. <laughs> I'm going to leave that buck there. Someone's going to take that baby. You better bring that one home. Oh, Lord. But there's choices to make. You're going to make a choice. You're going to get saved. After you get saved, you're going to get serious. God taps you on the shoulder. You're going to get surrendered and submitted. A lot, a lot of people have these, they, they sign in contracts with God. God wants you down here unconditional. Whatever you want, Lord, and I'm willing to endure the process it takes to become the one you want me to be. Hallelujah. In the process of preparation, God attempts to erase the ifs and the impossibles and to impart a greater measure of faith, courage, and confidence, all while teaching obedience and surrender and submission. God is saying to his Gideons then and now, I want to erase the ifs. 
of self-doubt. I want to loose from your mind the labels of past failures and regrets. I want to tear off the tags that men have tried to impose upon you because, Gideon, I've got a better word for you and I've got a better label for your life. Because, Gideon, I've called you to be the victor, not the victim in this situation. Gideon, I've chosen you to be the overcomer, not the overcome in this battle. And see, Gideon, it's more, it's more than just about your personal triumph and your personal pleasure and desire. There's so much more. Because you see, Gideon, there's a people out there that need you. Let me say it again, Gideon, it's more than just your personal, so much more than that. There's the people out there that need you. Gideon, that's why you can't stay hiding and you can't remain silent. You cannot put off this heavenly responsibility, this divine call. Gideon, you've got to come out of that insecurity, those fears, those excuses, and you've got to speak up for those that need you and the God that has so boldly called you. Gideon, you need to respond to your call and fulfill your duty and carry out the plan and purpose of the one that said, Tad, you're it. Gideon, God says to us, all things are possible to him that believes. So let's believe who you are in Jesus Christ. And let's believe... You are the one God says that you are and that you can fulfill the task that he has entrusted to your life. In Gideon's life, we see God, he's forging a vessel. He's preparing his instruments. The call leads to the preparation. The tag will lead to testing and training. God is stripping off this. God is developing that. And this is how God works in our lives. This is how it works throughout the word of God with men and women that he uses. He takes us from where we are, transforms us into the one he desires us to be. But this will demand our participation, our cooperation, and our willingness to endure the process. If I don't endure the process, I forfeit the prize. If I don't endure the process that God, the potter's wheel, if I don't endure the process of God's tests and his trainings, I forfeit the prize. That's why some never get beyond the spiritual third or fourth grade. Because as soon as that time comes, there's a stretching of the will. Where there's a call to die in a certain area, they want to do it. So they never get over that. And they forfeit what could have been. And what God wished they would have. That's not hard to understand, is it? Many people can look in their lives, and you know if you would have got saved at 22 instead of 52... Life would have been a whole lot different and you would have affected a lot more lives. It's not hard. To, I'm not getting too deep, am I? Sometimes I don't, I don't want you to miss it. This is not hard. I don't think it's hard to understand this, how important it is to give your all to God as early as you can and whatever he takes you through. See it as a test to train you, develop you, and to prove you. And if you let God have his way, he'll use you in a wonderful way because he is a good God. God calls us to respond to his process. Now, very, very simply, when God forges his vessel, there's testing, t- training, teaching, breaking, rolling. Gideon's life, if we were to do a series, we would cover some of these things. Gideon's life is like this. As we just read at the end of our text, he says, don't leave. God, if that's really you, let me worship you. 
He's saying, don't leave. I, I, need, to, I need to feel this thing out more. Uh, this is aberration. I, maybe I'm in a dream here. I, I drank something. This can't be. And, and, and he, so, so the, the angel of the Lord stops. And he waits on him. And Gideon brings back the sacrifice. And the angel says, pour the broth. He pours the broth on the meat, on the rock. And the angel of the Lord takes the tip of his staff, touches it, whew, fire just consumes the whole thing. Gideon blows back, my God, this is not just an angel. He realizes I'm, I'm in with God now. And he begins to feel like I, I'm, I'm going to die. Who can stand with God? He sees the fire and power of God. And then God says, no, peace, peace. It's good to know that before God sends you his word to you, it's peace. It's going to be all right. The enemy will try to outdo you. The carnal crowd will try to sway you. But God says, peace, I'm with you. Amen. And, and he gets the, the, the revelation of God, Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. And what we see in Gideon's life, there's, develop, there's private, our private worship is a place where God reveals himself to us afresh, where God makes his, his holiness and his power and his grace known to us. It's very important that if we're going to be who God's called us to be, there's that private personal time with God where we make our sacrifice, we open up the bread of life, we offer our day to God. We allow him to speak to our heart. We allow him to show himself to us. But then from that personal, private time of worship, number one, God says, all right, first test. God always starts in the private. Private. Before you go public, private. God says, Gideon, right after that sacrifice. After Gideon's overwhelmed by seeing the power and glory of God and hearing the voice and the revelation of God. All right, Gideon, first test. Before you bring deliverance out there, you get, get your house in order. He says, Gideon, go to your father's house and tear down the altar in the back. Because you can't bring deliverance out there. You can't get your own house in order here. First test, God puts in and get your own house in order. Before you can save the world, you better save your own house. Come on, say amen to that. As a, you read the story in devotional time. God says, Gideon, tear down that altar your father has at your father's house to Baal. Now, Gideon's a work in progress, so he goes at night, but he's a little scared. <laughs> hey, man, don't blame him. He, you know, he's taking his life into his hands here, and he's a work in progress like the rest of us. But he goes at night, and he takes some servants, and they tear it down. And God tests every one of us. First thing he tests, our personal lives. Amen? No sense in running around the church if our home life is not what it needs to be. Ain't that true? No sense in talking about I'm going to go shake nations. i got to shake my own house first. Amen? I, mean, I get the idols out of my own house. I can't be cursing the, the people out here living like hell. When i got hell in my own house, oh, Lord have mercy. God tests us and reveals himself to us in that personal, private relationship. But then he tests us in the private places, behind the scenes. Get rid of that idol. Lay that thing down. Overcome that habit. Wow. And Gideon obeys. Gideon stands firm. And then as time goes on, harvest season comes, and in comes the enemy. 130,000 of the enemy. Same thing every year for seven years. The harvest would start, the enemy would come. Just take it, steal it, ravage it. Everybody was too afraid to do anything about it. They were oppressed. But not this time. Because God had called a man. And that man had to begin to respond to that call. And that man had met God in private. And he had passed the test of get your own house in order. That's the most important test you got to get. Amen? 
But now it's time for that public test. All of a sudden, Gideon felt something never felt before. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Whew. You see, when that devil shows up, that's when the anointing kicks in. Amen? You know, you can have a nice, sweet old time and um, um, rock a Jesus. Amen? Swing low, sweet chariot. And that's nice and good. But yeah, if you know anything about the Spirit, when hell shows up, the anointing comes on. He blew that trumpet and he began to get volunteers. They began to come. They came. They came from all the tribes in that area. And he had something like 35,000 men ready to go. 35,000 against 135,000. But they were ready to go. And God shows up. Time for another test. Now it's the The first test is, will you obey me? Are you sincere? If you're sincere, you get your house in order. If you're sincere, you'll worship me in private. But if you can trust me, you'll obey me in public. If you can trust me, Gideon, God shows up. Gideon's getting his faith ready. That's a big task, 35,000 against 135, amen? But then God shows up, and he's waiting for maybe a word of encouragement. You ever wait for a word of encouragement? Instead, God stretches you a little bit more, amen? God shows up, Gideon, you got too many men. He starts scratching his head. How does God do math? He's got that new math going too many men. No, too many men. If you win with that group, you won't give me the glory. I got to get the glory out of this, not you. So, Gideon, I'm preparing. You got to learn to obey God the way God. And we got, do it God's way. Trust God's plan, even if it's a weird plan. If it's God's plan, obey it. All right. Test number one. Down to 10,000. All right, Lord. 10,000. God's skimming the forces. And Gideon's standing tall. Everybody does good when the music's playing. Then it stops. Uh oh. He, he was doing good for a while. Not down to 10,000. And that enemy's coming closer. And God looks and says, No, I still got too many. He says, oh, I don't get this math. I don't get God's math sometimes. Went down to 300 men. 300 men against 135,000 enemy. God says, Now things are just right. All right. Gideon's last, lasting on to some hope. He says, well, you know, I kind of remember those old stories of grandpa and great-grandpa's day. God opened Red Seas, and he'd send angels out to destroy all the enemy. Maybe God's going to do And God says, Gideon! He's waiting for God to give some miracle, you know what I mean? Maybe swallow up the earth, take all the enemy away. Gideon, no, Gideon, here's my strategy. Give us a bazooka or something, amen. Them 300 men, make sure everybody's got a a pitcher and a torch and a trumpet. <laughs> Brother David's not going to be the only trumpeter around here anymore. We, we're going we're gonna to get the band playing. <laughs> I feel like saying, Lord, we're going to sing them away? <laughs> oh, God. Did God ever tell you to do something? You wonder how in the world is this going to work out? You ever tell God he didn't make sense? You might not have said it, but you thought it once or try, Lord, this don't make sense. I don't say I'm forgiving that rascal is going to help this situation out at all. Mm -hmm. 300 men against 135,000. But Gideon's learning how to trust God and obey God. And if God can get a man or a woman to trust him and obey him, there's no limit on what that man or woman can do. God says, don't let your limits limit me. And they did. They broke up that group in hundreds and at the right time. They cracked those pots and shined those torches and blew those trumpets and shouted their shout and routed the enemy. 
Well, let me get back to Gideon. Because our focus this morning is on the initial call. That initial encounter you have with God. That special time with God when God really ministers to your life. And God touches you and makes himself known to you. And you'd be happy with that. But God says, no, no, stop. It's more than just that. Tag, you're it. I want more from you. How does the believer respond when God says, I want more from your life? I want you to go to the nations. I want you to stand up and work and begin to speak. I want you to take on that class. Hang on, Lord. I was comfortable, but hearing a good message, uh, you know, stirring me up a little bit and getting out with the girls, get some dinner, get my nap going by 3, 30, 4 o'clock. I, Lord, this, I, I'm liking this. Life is good. I'll give a special offering to missions. But Lord, Lord, don't, don't tell me you want me to. I love the topic, and I would preach it often if I could, of how God sees a man or a woman. I find it personally encouraging and inspiring. And this is really what we're talking about in this section of Gideon's life. This is whole wonderful victory started with one young man discouraged, a bit frightened, kind of frustrated, can't figure out this God I've heard about and heard wonderful stories about, but this, what I see in front of me, doesn't seem to add up with a God I heard was so great and mighty. But then he has his real first encounter with this God. And he hears God speak words to him that blow him away. Here's this one insecure, and God says, no, you're a mighty warrior. And we see this throughout the word of God. We see in the Gospels, for example. You know, the first time Jesus ever laid eyes on Peter, John, the first chapter. The Bible says that Jesus looked at Peter, and he looked at him like he was looking through him. It was a penetrating gaze, and he said to them, you are Simon, you shall become Peter. He says, you are Simon, you're kind of a reed. You're a bit unstable, you're a bit inconsistent, you're impulsive, you're an uneducated fisherman, but you shall be if you follow me, if you get serious with me. I'll make you into a rock of a man. I'll make you into a leader of men. I'll make you into a mighty preacher, an apostle of my church. You are and you shall be if you follow me. We think of David. You are just a young boy, young, just a shepherd. Overlooked by men, even your own family doesn't see anything special in you. But because I see your heart, and I see that you have a heart for God, you have a heart that's willing to fight for God and to live for God. Because I see your heart, you shall be not just an overlooked little shepherd boy, but you shall be a mighty warrior, worshiper, a giant killer, and a king. You'll go through some seasons of trial. You'll go through seasons of men rejecting you and lying about you and hunting you down. But through it all, I'll forge a man of God out of you. And you'll no longer be just a little boy watching daddy's sheep trying to get out of the way of your big brothers. You'll be the one I use to bring my kingdom into the earth. I think of Moses on the backside of a desert, long forgotten. Who anyone that remembered him, he was a has-been, he was a failure, a fugitive. He made the worst of mistakes. 
but because God was able to see something in him. I'm a God of a second chance, Moses. Tag, you're it. Moses, I'm not done with you. You thought I was done with you, and I'm not done with you. My people need to deliver. Pharaoh needs to hear my voice, and you're going to become a prophet like none other. Moses, tag, you're it. Because your failure doesn't have to be final. Respond to the word of the Lord. There's men like Saul of Tarsus, full of anger and hatred. His heart was full of a bitterness. He was fighting the church, opposing the name of Jesus, imprisoning the people of God. But God showed up one day. God said, Saul, you're out arresting my people. I'm going to arrest you. I like how the one brother said it. God said, Paul, I'm going to take you down to the Holy Ghost precinct and I'm going to book you for life. (laughs) And I'm going to let you be my chosen instrument. You're going to preach before kings and, and governors and the Gentiles and you're going to write my words for all people to read. I'm going to replace that anger in your heart and give it a compassion. I'm going to take out that bitterness and cause you to flow with my love. God says to Gideon, he says to you and I, I know what you are, I know who you are, I know what you've gone through, and I know where you live. But you shall be, if you'll follow me. I'll make you, and I'll use you, and I'll bless you. I've got plans for you. Somebody, God's got plans for you. God's got big plans for you. Just follow him. Just give him your all. If you'll give me first place, I've got lies for you to touch. I've got a testimony for you to tell. I've got goals for you to accomplish. I've got adversaries I'm calling you to defeat. Just don't let your limits limit me, saith the Lord. Recognize who you are as my child and what you have in my salvation. And then yield to the process of my preparation so you can become the one I've chosen for you to be. God says to someone this morning, tag, you're it. Now let the process begin. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you. You'll never be the same. I'm going to pause and close it here. Let's respond by giving our all to the Lord and making a fresh altar to God. Allowing God to use us how he wants to use us and allowing God to develop us and to prepare us through any process he desires. Making a fresh altar, saying, here I am, send me. Lord, your ways are best. Prepare me in the way you know is best. I'll resist you no more. But I'll give myself to you. Make me into that vessel and use me as you desire. And God's people said, let's stand together. We're going to pray our final prayer, sing our final song, and then we're going to open the altar. If you just want to make a fresh surrender, you can do that. Or if you need special prayer, maybe you came today and needed a touch in your body. God's here to heal you and to work in your life. Maybe you're going through something, you just want some brothers and sisters to pray with you. Well, we're more than happy to pray with you and believe God for you. You might be weary and you just need some refreshing. Well, come and let God refresh you. But the important thing, let's give ourselves afresh to the Lord. And let's remember that different seasons of life have different demands 
and different callings upon them. So for each season, there's a demand of a fresh altar of consecration. And God will work us a new thing for every season. Mm. Number one, if you're here today and your heart's not right with God, come and make things right. If you've never received Christ, it's time to receive him. If you're here today and you know you've been kind of resisting, haven't been all that serious, and you want to make a fresh commitment to be serious, wholehearted, come down and make it. Here today and you know I'm in the process and God's working on me. (laughs) And it's not easy to stay on this potter's wheel and you just need some blessing. You just need some praying and refreshing. Then come and say, Lord, fill me afresh so I can get back in there and yield myself afresh and and learn what you want me to learn. We're going to pray. Stay at least so you can sing the song one time through. Then if you have to go, go. But if not, let's, let's offer ourselves to God. There's a people God's ordained for you to touch. There are lives that God has orchestrated for you to meet. There are things that God desires to do through every individual. But we cannot fulfill it unless our lives are yielded to him. Let this be a response of a fresh yielding and offering ourselves to God. Father God, we thank you. We understand, oh God, you're forging your vessels. You're making men and women into strong, sturdy men and women of faith. And Father, we want to thank you for the life of Gideon, for the lessons that we can glean and receive from his call and his first encounter with you. Father, help each one of us to respond to the call you placed upon our lives. Different calls and different seasons and different situations, but oh God, it is so clear that you save us to use us. We're saved to serve. And that is you order our steps. You give our lives divine encounters. You give our lives heavenly purpose, tasks to fulfill, battles to fight. And you have chosen to use your people to do your works in the earth. And Lord, we want to be used. We want to be fruitful. Help each one of us, oh God, to respond to the call you placed upon our lives. Help us to follow you and to serve faithfully and seriously. Father, in the name of Jesus, please use our lives. Oh God, use our lives to touch our world. Use our lives to make a difference in our world. We don't want to go quietly. We want to go faithfully and fruitfully for the glory of God. We offer ourselves afresh Prune away what needs to be pruned. Heal what needs to be healed. And deposit the fresh deposit that we all need. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, you're going to 